Hey folks, and welcome to last night this morning, uh, you know, NLDS preview, ALDS preview, the DS preview, if you will. I am sitting in a beach house in Charleston, South Carolina, fresh off 18 holes of golf with my father-in-law, which was excellent. It was beautiful on the course. Uh, shot. There are conflicting reports on how I shot today. Uh, my father-in-law claims I shot a 98. My count puts me at 101. So I'm going to take his count. Uh, either way, not great. But you know what? It's been worse. I have sent out some questions along amongst the, the league members, amongst the managers that are still part of this thing, to get a feel for what the sentiment is heading into uh, what amounts to decision day in the DS today. Not technically. I mean, in theory, we could get a day a couple days from now where everybody's tied at 2-2, right? Um, but in the American League, we have a pair of 2-1 series leads. As you've got the Mariners up 2-1 on division rivals, the Houston Astros. Then you have the Blue Jays up 2-1 on the Minnesota Twins. In the National League, you have the Brewers up 2-0 on their division rival Pirates, following a couple of spectacular pitching performances from Young Young uh, Arms. And you have the Braves and Diamondbacks tied at one apiece. So heading into tonight, right, you've got three potential series clinching games with uh, the American League Series and obviously that National League Central matchup here in the DS. Uh, the Braves and the Diamondbacks will leave to live to play another day regardless. But we'll see how long that goes. So what I did was I went around and I asked some managers for projections, right? Essentially, hey, what are we going to see tonight? Uh, and we're going to start with the the undecided series, I guess, to this point. Let's talk, let's talk Braves, Diamondbacks. Um, the Diamondbacks were trailing early in game one before Bryce Harper just decided to rip his old team apart uh, as he put up six RBIs in a blowout win for the Diamondbacks. And they would take game one as Robinson Rivera got hit hard. Shohei Otani got hit hard. The both starters got really knocked around for teams that pride themselves on good pitching and defense. Game two, not as bad, but still not great. As Jeffrey Stone only went into the fifth inning, allowing three runs um, before getting pulled pretty quickly for the bullpen. At this point, uh, when he'd given up those three runs, it was it was a 3-1 game, right? So Arizona stopped the bleeding with Pat Crosby. Matt Manning pitched a great inning. Uh, they actually came a little bit closer. They would end up scoring two runs off Kobe Alar, who went seven. Uh, but this game would get a little bit too far out of their reach as the Braves would add two more runs off of uh, Sanchez in, what, the seventh inning, I think? Um, and anybody else, they would hold on 5-4, right? Riley Pine would come in, pitch two innings of relief. In those two innings, he would surrender two runs, a run in each. Uh, not what you're trying to see. If you are a Braves fan, you are, you're not loving that performance. I can't get the actual at-bats and how close it really got, but... Um, you're just not loving anything along those lines, right? Here's the interesting part here. Uh, a couple of interesting things as we look at the potential matchup tonight. So I guess let's, let's talk potential matchups here first, right? And then we will talk uh, all the rest of this stuff. So in theory, unless there's a change made, you are going to see Walker Bueller on the mound for Atlanta. 
versus Andrew Morales on the mound for Arizona. Andrew Morales, uh, I believe... It should be in the talking for he probably won't win the Cy Young, obviously, but he should be at least receiving votes as a as like a, kind of like an All Star or a uh, Hall of Fame, you know, like hey, give him a pity vote even though he's not going to win it. Like he was excellent this year. Some of his statistics that are more widely viewed with the ERA and other things along those lines aren't as pretty, but man, he was good all year long for Arizona. Walker Bueller has been interesting. He has not performed very well since coming to Atlanta, but the Braves haven't lost one of his starts yet, so. If you're a Braves fan, you have to at least feel good about that. So that's your likely starting pitching matchup. I can't see any reason either one of these teams makes a change offensively, as that has not really been the issue. Now, that said, there are some guys not performing up to snuff. Here's the interesting part about this. There's a couple of interesting statistics that I'm going to throw out. Braves have not hit a home run in this series. Right, Their team was powered on the long ball. They don't have a single home run this series. Killer Sparks. Does not have a hit in the series. He is batting zero. Dalton Varsho, eh, him and he started one game. Doug Smith has started a game. They're both not exactly performing the way you want. Ronald Stanton did come in against the lefty uh, yesterday, as the Braves do have a decently large change lefty to righty, I guess, uh, in their starting lineup. Neither one of those guys got a hit. Jimmy Vega is batting under 150, as he got his first hit late yesterday uh, with a single, right? If you look over on the Arizona Diamondback side, Jeremy Scott doesn't have a, hit, have a hit this series. J.D. Martinez doesn't have a hit this series. There's some guys not performing. Now, just like everybody has one side, there's always the other. Uh, Millard Thomas and Bryce Harper are both hitting 571 on the series. Uh, Bryce Harper's driven in seven RBIs in the series. The next closest person to him is Juan Marine with two uh, for the Diamondbacks. And... In the Braves side, Miller Thomas has driven in four RBIs. Again, the next closest person to him is Mike Ogden with two. So both offenses being carried by a single player. Interesting to watch. If you're thinking about a right-handed batter, right-handed pitcher, excuse me, which I believe Andrew Morales is, and if he's not, I, I will be thoroughly embarrassed. Because um, I should probably know, if I'm going to claim a guy I should be up to the side, I, I should know if he is a right-handed batter or not. But let's say that he is. What you're going to see from the Braves, you'll see Taylor Sparks leading off, despite the fact that he has not gotten a hit yet. You'll see Jamie Vega in the two-hole, Bo Bichette in the three-hole, Mike Ogden batting fourth, Miller Thomas batting fifth, Marvin Groom batting sixth, Doug Smith batting seventh, and Antonio Diaz batting eighth with uh, Walker Buehler in the nine-hole. I can't speak to what Arizona's lineup looks like against right-handed pitching because the two starters for the Braves at this point have been left-handers. I don't know if the game in front of me. I can't imagine to see a lot of changes, right? Bryce Harper, obviously still in the lineup. Black Guerrero Jr., uh, still in the lineup. Juan Marine, still in the lineup. Jeremy Scott, despite his struggles to this point, has not struck out. He's at least hit the ball hard, is in the lineup. Shohei Otani, does he come off the bench and play on the field, or is he going to be used as that super pinch hitter, Jock Peterson style? I don't know. That's the Braves game tonight, right? You've got some interesting storylines here. Some guys that have struggled. Some people that haven't, right? I think if you were really going to, I think if you would ask the question around the league, what do you want to see here, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it would depend on where your loyalties lie. From what I have heard, if you're a National League Central team, which we're hoping is that this series gets as stretched out as long as your series does, 
and that the Braves end up winning because you don't want to face the Diamondbacks lineup, which I, I understand completely, right? The Diamondbacks are an excellent team. So if you're if you have vested interest in your team making it to the World, the World Series beyond this series, right? So if you're a National League Central team, you want the Braves to make it through. If you're not, I don't think you care. I think you're excited by some of the young talent here. And, and if you want the National League to win holistically, you probably want the Diamondbacks to make it as they play a better chance. But, um, you know, I think there's some interesting storylines to go through here all the way across. Realistically, if you're looking for this game to, to be answered, I guess the question one is, can the pitching staff of either one of these teams be better than the pitching staffs have been to this point? And two, who gets off the zero first, Taylor Sparks or Juan Marine? Or is it Jeremy Scott, excuse me, Jeremy Scott? Right? That's that's huge. Which one of those guys gets off the zero first? So, that is the story. And I almost launched into a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air situation there. You're welcome for not doing that. Let's think about the other National League series before we move on here, right? Milwaukee blew the division down the stretch, right? There's no no question. They had it, and they blew it. They respond to that by winning the wild card game against the Cardinals and winning the first two games of this series in Pittsburgh. No small feat in and of itself. But to think about how they did this, honestly, is maybe the more impressive piece. And, and the fact that they don't get a lot, and they get enough credit, I guess. Right? But Cody McCuck came out and pitched game one, six and a third innings, shutout baseball, four base runners allowed in total. Landoni and Thompson came through, finished the full game shutout here. They, they beat Scalise. Only gave it the one earned run. I mean, Chris Scalise pitched great. Pitched eight innings, one earned run, another unearned. Uh, Keon Wee was hit a solo shot. That'd be the only earned run that he allowed. Uh, I guess Travis Jankowski kind of gave up a run here at some point, but or gave up a run, excuse me, at some point. It was unearned. But that's game one. Cody McTuck, I will remind you, is 25 years old and never pitched in the postseason before. In the second game, again on the road against the Pirates, Duncan Dwayne Millar. Young kid, 22 years old, never pitched in the postseason, gives up two runs in the first on the road. As what? I think Michael Conforto hit a two-run, had a two-run, two-out home run in the first. He's able to compose himself and pitch a score in the second. His team put a four spot up in the third. He did give up another run. So, again, back to a one-run game here as a 22-year-old on the road, four to three. And he ends up pitching three more innings after that, six innings of baseball, five strikeouts. Hangs on, and then who comes in? Landonian Thompson. Landonian Thompson had pitched six shutout innings so far in this series. So, if you're the Pirates, you are now looking at Pedro Cuevas, who has been excellent this year on the on the hill against Matt Cronin. Uh, my my story, or my, 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 excuse me, my sources here uh, are telling me that the Pirates aren't panicking, right? There's no panic in the, in the organization. Down 2-0, they were in a hole at the end of the year. They had to battle to make the playoffs. They're making no changes to their lineup. They're giving Cronin the ball, and they're going to go out there, right? 
I think that there's a little concern being that they're matched up against an, a superior pitching staff and having to win three straight, including two on the road, is, is certainly a concern. Um, but I, I think that the confidence that Greg and this Pirates staff has shown all year will continue to shine through, right? I think you were going to look at a Pirates team that makes no changes to the lineup. They don't panic and pull Cronin and try to pitch somebody else on short rest. They're going to go out there and done what they've done all year. And I, I do expect them to pull out a game here. As much as I love Craig Cuevas, I think you probably have to see the Brewers go to different arms beyond Landoni um, and Thompson. And I think that that could be to some late-ending runs for the Pirates. So I think from the Pirates side of things, you you just have to be you have to be confident, right? And, and they're showing that. From the Brewers side of the table, I have heard you are looking at a more – right-handed heavy top of the lineup with Cronin on the mound, right? Same eight guys, but they're going to shift some people around a little bit. Um, I, I guess I don't know specifically what changes they're making, but I do think they're pulling some of the right-handed bats up at the top to get them a couple of bats as they try to turn that lineup over. Um, you know, they are looking to get Mason Marley out. And it's interesting to think about Mason Marley, another rookie, by the way. So you see the National League kind of has a theme here. Young players, young players, young players. Mason Marley has been getting hits against the Brewers all season long. I think if you go back and look, he has a hit in every single game that the Brewers and Pirates have played this year that he has been part of. And he's doing it in clutch situations. So you look for the Brewers to maybe pitch around Mason Marley, get to that seventh inning. Can they turn the ball over to Landoni and Thompson again? I think you've got to take a break here and give it to somebody else. But I think this is a, a very confident, um, very, very confident situation here, right? I've used that word a lot to describe this. I think both teams feel good. I mean, if nothing else, both teams, neither team really, specifically the Brewers, was expected to be here. The Pirates at some point in September, probably, you know, a lot of people have written them off. So to be alive and be competing is, is a win in of itself. Those are your two National League teams, right? Your two National League um, series, if you will. Let's talk to American League. And I think if we're going to talk American League, we need to start with the weirdest storyline, I think, as opposed to this point. And that is Nathan Kirby coming off the shelf for the first time in four months to make a start in a do-or-die game for the Twins. Where's KB Sampson? I guess maybe he's already started. I don't know. I mean... It's just wild. It's bonkers to me to think that they are going to start him in this game against Toronto. We'll get to that, right? I've, I've reached out to uh, Ronald Cook to get comment from the Twins, but so far nothing. He will be opposed by a lineup that is going to be uh, anchored with pitcher Michael Waka. He will have it go Ryan Nash leading off, Carol Curtis batting second, John Carlos Stanton batting third, Miguel Cabrera batting fourth. No idea who Andrew Douglas is. Or uh, Gonzalez at DH, you'll have Cutler at catcher, Mel Franco at third, and Mel Applegate at shortstop. Right, so the traditional lineup looks like, at least at a cursory glance, for the Jays. Walker, I mean, he's just got to be decent, right? Against the guy like Nathan Kirby, you have to figure the rest is going to be there. All Walker has to do is deliver a quality start. And that should be enough. 
in my mind, for Toronto to win. And, and, and speaking with Mitch, he agrees, right? Waka just needs to be passable. And he feels good about his team's chances. I would agree with that. Now, we've talked a little bit about um, Taylor Sparks, right, and his struggles. Well, maybe understated at this point because he is hitting 308. Gary Copeland with two home runs through three games in the series ain't going to cut it. Marvin Gonzalez hitting 077 in front of him. Martin Lopez hitting 250 and not driving into single RBI, right? Christian Yelich hasn't really been a part of this. So I'm not going to worry about it. Richard Davis hitting under 100. The Twins offense has to pick it up. Now, Nolan Arenado is hitting 545. He's driving one run. There's nobody on base for these masters to bring home. That said, Carlos Stanton and Don Winston both hitting under 167. Michael Franco, 182. Charles Cutler, 182. Mel Applegate, 200, right? Brian and Noah, the, his, the hero of Toronto, is hitting 600 in small sample size. But neither offense has really pitched very well. The Blue Jays' bullpen has been predictably sketchy and has really tried to give up some bad moments, but they haven't blown a game yet, so you've got to thank them for that, I suppose. But if you're looking at this thing, to me, this comes down to Michael Walker. This is Michael Walker's, and he hates you. hate to put this sort of pressure on a guy. But this is his game to lose. Michael Walker goes out there, gives you seven innings, a three-run ball. You have to feel like Toronto Blue Jays won this game. But if Martin Lopez can get on base and Gary Copeland can do some damage like Gary Copeland does, who knows? I'll let you know if I hear back from Rocky at some point if he's really going to throw Nathan Kirby. I can't believe that he might think about it, but... This series should end tonight. And you hate to you hate to diminish it that way, but it really should end tonight. That leaves us with one more series to talk about. Seattle versus Houston. Again, just as a recap, in case we all forgot, uh, 2-1 Seattle. Houston won game one. Shocker to everybody. Despite the fact that they played excellent all year. Seattle won the last two, right? Casey Kelly on the mound for the Seattle. He has been underappreciated as a piece of that uh, rotation. He's been very good all year. It's easy to do when you look at some of the other names in the rotation. <clears throat> for Houston, we had a late change. Reginald McMillan has been called upon uh, to go ahead and, and bring out some stars. I am being told that is in direct response to Chris Fletcher, who, again, a name that if you're not paying close attention to the Mariners, you may not recognize, but he has been every bit as effective as any big name star on that Mariners team. Right. Uh, and it's interesting to think about the fact that you will probably see a heavy bullpen presence from Houston uh, in this game as, as McMillan is going to be effective the first time around, but he has been knocked around a little by some of the larger stars, um, some of the larger stars in this Mariners lineup. Right, specifically, Armando Cabanas has been seven of twenty-one with a couple home runs off him uh, in his career. Mark Baker is ten for thirty-four with a couple home runs as well. So it kind of looks like Houston's strategy is get McMillan out there, get to the first round, and hand it over to their incredibly talented bullpen to force a game five. And if you force a game five, who knows what happens in game five? Right. The reality is this lineup is deep for Houston or for for, for Seattle. It's uh, Houston's not bad either. But the lineup is deep. So you get through once, maybe twice on a 40-50 pitch count here uh, and turn it over to the pen, which has been excellent. And then just play matchup ball. Now, you know, Matt Wells confirmed today 
He does not expect any one, two, three easy innings. There's just no way. Even when you play matchup ball, there's nothing you can do with this lineup. You're going to have to have an excellent performance. But uh, it is what it is. Fernando Tatis has moved moved to third. Uh, Arredondo will be batting fifth. Joey Bart will be batting sixth. Bill Allay, Bill La is going to bat for Morales. Um, you know, so some changes to the lineups here, if you will. But Houston has to be impressed with where they are. Now, you can't sit back and say, yeah, we did great. We made it to the ALDS and, and be happy about it. We made it past the whatever, blah, 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 blah. Sure, they beat the Angels in the, Nash, in the, in the wild card game. Houston has bigger aspirations. 94 wins is great. They want to be the dynasty in this, this league. And to do that, you've got to beat the Mariners in a playoff series. Because the Mariners will be here every year. They're going to have to beat them eventually. On the Mariners' side of things, as you would expect, no changes to the lineup whatsoever, regardless of what the Astros do. The Mariners will play Mariners baseball. Chris Fletcher, as we talked about, has been spectacular. Despite scouts continuously saying he needs to be replaced, he has been as good as Machado, Cabanas, Jason Castro, any of these guys. What worries them is the Astros' bullpen, and we'll see if that continues tonight. But I wouldn't expect it to. It will essentially be Matt Wells' greatest strength versus Justin Kaiser's greatest weakness or greatest fear about him. We'll see. Most of the predictions seem to go to the Mariners' way. We will see how this thing plays out tonight. Fun night of baseball. See y'all probably when I get back.